belly and the fish. Belly, belly and the fish. Welcome, friends, to Belly and the Fish. I'm your host, Corbin, a.k.a. The Fish. And as always, we got Ben Belly Smokes. Hunter, what's up, Belly? Feeling extra wide after a long week of snacking, my friend, but I'm ready to do this podcast on my least favorite day of the week. How about you, Corbin? Uh, your weekend? Yep, I'm with you there, too, man. I feel like I gained 10 pounds last week. I was on vacation in Boston, ate a bunch of seafood. I am feeling full and large. And we've got a special guest joining us today from Palo Alto, California, my good friend, Sean Murphy. What's up, Smurf? What's going on, guys? Thanks for having me on. Good to be here. Yeah, it's good to have you, man. little backstory how I met Sean. It was actually back in fourth grade on the Fortune Chef Little League team where we won the championship. And then we move into Michigan State our freshman year. We had a little hall meeting, and I'm like, I think I recognize this kid. And sure enough, it was Sean. Hadn't seen him since the fourth grade, but we became good friends all through college and glad to have him on. He's a great Lions fan, so he'll be a good ally against my battle with Belly this week. Well, another great week for me to uh, have my opinion uh, be reinforced. So, yeah, bring it on, Sean. All right, I'm here for it. Let's do it. Yeah, I'm sick of going over all these losses. Ben is <laughs> way up. The Lions took on the Dolphins at Ford Field. We opened as three-point underdogs, and we lost another point. It closed at four points. So it depends on when you got in on that line, but we did not cover. You had a push at best. The Lions lost to the Dolphins 31-27. to Again, it was another week, a tale of two halves. We actually torched the Dolphins offensively in the first half, scoring on all five possessions. We were leading at halftime 27-17. to 17. Our defense did not have much of an answer for them, however. We failed to score a single point in the second half. Only had three possessions, but we really shot ourselves in the foot with penalties and had no choice to punt on two out of the three drives. We were facing a fourth and 25 and a fourth and 19 due to some sacks and penalties, so... Not a good way to finish out that game there. On the last possession, we came against a fourth and two, and I wanted to ask you, Smurf, on your thoughts on that that last play there. Oh, Jesus, yeah. I mean, what are we doing hucking it 40 yards on a, on a fourth and two? I don't know. Didn't make any sense to me. I mean, I um, looked into it a little bit, and Jared Goff said he audibled into that play because they were showing cover zero, and he really only had two options, and they were covered. I mean, you had Swift kind of sitting like right at that first down line, covered pretty well. You had uh, Amon Ross St. Brown, who was running across the field, who had a defender kind of right behind him. I thought that if he could have hit him at the right time, maybe that would have been a good option. So Josh Reynolds was really the only other guy he could have gone to. I thought Goff threw a pretty good ball, but Josh Reynolds just wasn't able to come down with it. He didn't take the best angle, in my opinion. I thought the throw was okay, but it was just uh, a bad way to cap off the game. But back yeah. to Goff, I thought all things considered, he had a really, really good game. It was actually uh, his highest ever score as a Lion in terms of, of PFF grade. So I thought he did had a hell of a game. I don't really have any serious knocks on him. Thought he was really comfortable in the pocket and he handled the pressure pretty well. He finished 27 for 37 for 321 yards and a touchdown. It's a good stat line. Don't get me wrong. Um, to me, it's, it's the decision-making. Fourth and two. You got your playmakers healthy. You got Swift healthy-ish. You've got Amon-Ra healthy-ish. Um, you know, you need two yards. Get it to your playmakers. My complaint all year 
something that we've struggled with. On crucial downs, we're throwing short of the sticks. And this time, Goff goes way fucking past. Just rein it in, get it to your playmakers, get five yards. You don't need to go for the home run shot. I agree with that. And all season long, there's always a play, a third down play, a fourth down play in the fourth quarter with the game on the line. I'm like, okay, this is the biggest play of the game. Like we need to convert here. And I couldn't even tell you one time where we have came through in the clutch. It was good to see Swift come back finally after, you know, three, four games and not playing. Uh, we really didn't utilize him in the run game much. He had five catches and and a touchdown. It was nice to utilize him in that fashion, but I don't think that we were able to use him the way that we wanted just because of the situations we were in in the second half. Those penalties really put us in a lot of clear passing down uh, situations, and we did u- utilize him a lot in that regard, but you want to see him get you know, 15, 20 touches a game between rushes and receptions, so we got to get him more involved and maybe it is, you know, still a health concern. It sounds like the ankle is healed up pretty well, but now it's the shoulder. I mean, yeah, but it was his first game back and in the NFL, it seems to be a pitch count kind of thing. So expecting him to get all those touches right. As soon as he comes back, it's just not going to happen. Plus Jamal Williams ended up carrying the ball pretty well into the end zone twice. So I didn't think that that was a terrible decision, but um, yeah, just was not the lion's day, especially when you can't put up any points in the second half seems like they're still trying to dial in what the right balance of Swift and Williams is back there, you know, and you got to, that fluctuates a bit when you got Swift coming back on two injuries, but got to find the right combo. Yeah. And I think they wanted to get Swift more involved. I I, I think the goal obviously is to have Jamal return to his kind of one B role to Swift's one a. So I understand why they're gradually rolling him back into things, but you know, the situations we were in in the second half, we weren't really able to pound the rock when you're facing a first and 30 or whatever we had. It was just clear passing down situations, so we weren't able to really run out the game that way. Jamal Williams, I thought that he had a solid game. As you said, he had another two-touchdown performance, so I know he tied Barry Sanders for most multi-touchdown games in a season, and he's already surpassed Barry Sanders and Billy Sims' records for most touchdowns through seven games, so... Jamal has been on a heater. Swift being out has definitely helped, but he is that big bruiser goal line guy, and he's going to be getting those carries. So Swift will be the lightning. Jamal's the thunder. I'm okay with that. I mean, it's good to see him bounce back after the two fumble performance that he had last week against the Cowboys. Let's move on to defense because our offense put up 27 points. You can't really knock them because the defense was really the big issue this game, and it's going to be like that the rest of the season at this point. I'm really not too hopeful of them, you know, even being an average defense. Like we're going to be a bottom 10 defense, best case scenario. Although the offense, you know, against the Cowboys and Patriots had faltered. I know that Goff and our offense when healthy, we are going to be able to put up some points. It's just a matter of our defense, you know, stopping them at least once or twice. I mean, we, we can't force any punts. And, I mean, you could have one of the best offenses in the entire NFL, but if your defense cannot stop the opposing offense, you don't stand a chance. So our defensive line, I thought they didn't show really any pressure on pass plays. We don't have a four-man rush. Both of our sacks on the day came from, you know, when we had five or six guys blitzing. And so we need to be able to generate some pass rush with just our defensive line so our linebackers and defensive backs can play back and actually cover and do what we really pay them to do. But I thought the D-line did a pretty good job against the run. Mostert did have some 
you know, decent 10, 20 yard gains there. But for the most part, we bottled them up nicely. And I thought the linebackers too did really good in run support. The Dolphins were really weren't able to get anything going on the ground. I thought that we were they were really a liability in terms of coverage. Outside of uh, Malcolm Rodriguez's one pass breakup, Anzalone and Malcolm, they were both kind of getting burned down the middle in that zone too, was able to pick us apart. But the real low light on this team was our defensive backs and sheesh, it was just ugly. There's no other way to put it. I can't sugarcoat it. Tua was 80% on his throws, 29 for 36 for 382 yards and three touchdowns. And after the game, Campbell came out and said that our defensive backs as a unit just did not execute the game plan. We needed to be physical, press and disrupt Jalen Waddle and Tyree Kill, and we just fell on our face. We didn't want to get into the track meet, Campbell said, and that's exactly what it was. I mean, he emphasized and said exactly what our game plan was going to be going in. And I was like, okay, like it sounds like we have a pretty good plan here. And when you watch the game, you're like, what the hell is this? I mean, we're playing off Tyreek and off Waddle, and Tua was able to complete any short intermediate throw that he wanted. He would just stamp back in the pocket, and then they would be open right away, and we just cannot give them that kind of space. If they have that separation, they're going to pick us apart, and there's nothing that we can do with that. And if Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill, the most dynamic receiver duo in the entire NFL, has over 100 yards apiece, then it's a recipe for disaster. And I thought we had the right game plan, but when it comes down to it, our players just did not execute it. So I've been saying it since the beginning of the season, man. We just give up too many points. Um, there has not been a game. The, the lowest points against we had was against the Cowboys where they put up 24. Um, it's just a lot of points to be given up game in and game out. And you got to be able to stop them in order if you want to win games. That's all there is to it. It's too many points against. And uh, yeah, just need to get better. And I don't, I don't know how soon that's going to happen. You know, we we definitely have been really nicked with some injuries, especially on the defensive end and in our, for our defensive backs. I mean, you got Okuda with coming back from the Achilles. He's been, you know, the bright spot of that group. But Awarie has regressed. We've got A.J. Parker in there starting at nickel, and he was just getting picked on all game. Jerry Jacobs is back, but, I mean, he hasn't been a factor yet coming back from his injury. And then you got our captain, Tracy Walker, who's out. Deshaun Elliott didn't start. He was out this game, so... I mean, when you're st- rolling out Kirby Joseph, Juju Hughes, I mean, Okuda's great, don't get me wrong, but you got a Warrior, Will Harris, a converted safety. I mean, it's just kind of a, a Band-Aid group of defensive backs that we're rolling out there week to week. And, you know, you're right. We are so young. It's tough to really have any production out of those guys, and we're trying to get them reps, but we're just not seeing any results so far. It's nice getting guys like Kirby Joseph out there, getting them some real-time experience. But, man, I don't think that – the big picture of drafting that guy was to be using him by, by week eight, week seven as a starter, let him, let him mature behind some of our vets, you know, uh, Tracy Walker, really unfortunate that he went down earlier in the year. Um, Cause he's a, he's a tremendous leader for that defense. Yeah. I can't explain Oruwariye's regression. That's baffling to me. Um, and probably something that we're going to need to address, but, you know, there were still there were still bright spots for this young core of the defense. You got to love seeing uh, Kirby Joseph going and forcing that fumble scooped right up by Rodrigo. That was, uh, you know, rookie to rookie power right there. Good combo. Yep. I thought Kirby Joseph was a pretty a pretty solid bright spot. That's his second force fumble in two games. And he was raw coming in. You know, we knew that 
when he came out of Illinois, when we picked him in the third round and I kind of had him pegged as a more of like that rangy free safety type of guy, like a backup to Tracy Walker, but he's shown that he can be a hard hitter. And I thought last week was a fluke when he had that forced fumble on Noah Brown, but you know, another one right by the red zone too on the dolphins opening drive. He's shown that he can really thump some guys. And the one thing that I will say about Kirby is that he did have a good game, but this is his third game where he could have had an interception. And the one from this game came on that Malcolm Rodriguez tip. Now he wasn't in the best position, but I mean, you got Rodrigo, you got Alex Anzalone and some other defensive back, and then he's playing behind. Just look for that tip ball. You want him to be more of a ball hawk and start coming up with some of those turnovers and, you see, and, and on that play in particular, you saw him stepping up to make a tackle. And I get it. We want to gang tackle these guys. But at the same time, we've got to force some turnovers, especially when you got Tua throwing over the middle. And he's not very much of a deep threat at all. I thought we could have exploited that. And we just weren't able to take advantage ever. He was able to pick us apart. And we had no answer for those short intermediate throws. So, Yeah. And then the Dolphins receivers absolutely ate, as you had mentioned earlier today, Corbin. Um, Tyreek Hill, 12 receptions for 188 yards. Jalen Waddle, eight receptions for 106 yards. It's no wonder the DB coach for the Lions ended up getting canned after this performance. Uh, two is absolutely on fire, 29 for 36 with three touchdowns. As you said before, those two are tough to stop. And then Gasecki even snuck in there for a touchdown. So, I mean, yeah, just it was brutal. <laughs> it was a demolition derby on the Dolphins' side. And it was a shame that we really couldn't execute because it sounded like when we were coming in, Aaron Glenn and Dan Campbell did have the right game plan for it, but you do need to rely on the personnel to execute that game plan. And we did not do that. It was just a free for all for Tyree kill and Jalen Waddle all day. They did whatever they wanted to us, but I did want to talk about a little bit about the Aubrey pleasant firing that Ben mentioned just a minute ago. He's our second year defensive backs coach. He came over from the Rams with Brad Holmes He's been praised by players and coaches. He had two interviews this offseason for a defensive coordinator job. So he's a respected coach throughout the league. So, you know, this is kind of a head scratcher. And it sounds like Brian Duker, our, our current safeties coach, is taking over along with another guy who's um, like a, a defensive quality control guy. I forget his name. But I wanted to ask you, Sean, specifically, do you think that he's kind of just being a scapegoat? for the defensive backs woes, or do you think that a change needed to happen? Yeah. Good question, Corb. I can see it from both angles. You know, obviously our play in the secondary has been piss poor all year. That's definitely the worst part of our defense. A lot of reasons to point to for that. However, if you spend any bit of time on, on lions, Twitter, you see that this is what people are calling for. They, they want heads. So I, I tend to think that this was more of a scapegoat somebody had to go and unfortunately it was Aubrey what do you think Bell any opinions on Aubrey Pleasant our defensive backs coach that you're not so, so pleasant with? after all that's what I have to say about that <laughs> very nice yeah no I mean I agree with you Sean I think that Dan Campbell was looking to point the finger at somebody because he's already vouched for Aaron Glenn and from what I've seen on Lions Twitter before today everyone was calling for Aaron Glenn's head so to see Aubrey Pleasant after, you know, all the positive remarks he's received from players and from Dan Campbell himself as recently as last week, it was kind of surprising to see him, you know, get the can today. Especially after we got that messaging from Sheila Hamp Ford or Ford Hamp, I don't know which direction it goes, uh, earlier this week where she had, she said that she had complete faith 
in uh, the Lions coaching staff that they were handling this rebuild appropriately. Mm-hmm. So kind of walking back just a few days later. I don't know. What yeah. do you make of it? Well, I mean, you saw in Dan Campbell's press conference that, you know, he was pretty emotional about it. You could tell he didn't want to let the guy go. And, you know, he's he's a very genuine guy. So you can tell kind of how he feels. And if you watch the press conference, he just said it's a results-based league. And it wasn't just due to this game, but it was more of a culmination of the past seven games. And, you know, he's not wrong. Obviously, our defensive backs haven't performed. But I thought that Jeff Okuda has credited Aubrey Pleasant for his development. You know, he's coming off the injury, so you're not going to expect him necessarily 100%. But the Amani Awarie regression, don't really understand that. A.J. Parker, I think he's a second-year player now. You know, just a guy that we kind of threw in there at nickel. He stinks. And, you know, we've had just a slew of injuries to some big players. Tracy Walker, the main one. You know, Jerry Jacobs hasn't played all season. And the front office didn't necessarily help out Aubrey Pleasant in that defensive back room because we drafted Chase Lucas this year. Uh, We brought in Deshaun Elliott, who was a career special teams guy who he's done pretty well so far. Don't get me wrong. And, and, you know, in terms of being that box safety and filling that role, but I I don't think that Aubrey Pleasant has really had a lot of toys to play with. So I, I tend to agree with you. I think that Aaron Glenn is really the guy who has to implement this game plan and ensure that our players are executing. And I think that, yes, our defensive backs have been, they were definitely the ones who lost us this game overall, but it's not like our defensive line is really getting much pressure either. I think schematically we have a lot of work to do and we have a bunch of young guys. So, I mean, you could be the best coach in the world, but if you don't have the right personnel out there, you're not able to do your job effectively. So it's sad to see Aubrey Pleasant go. I think that he's going to land on his feet. Dan Campbell said so as well. It's just sad to see him kind of have to fall on the sword to keep Aaron Glenn around. Um, yeah, it, it, it's just not fair. And, you know, the more that I think about it, the more of a I, – I just really – it's a head-scratcher for me. I don't really agree with that decision to let him go. Yeah, I'm with you. We'll settle on scapegoat. Yep. We'll talk briefly about the officiating because that crew just pissed me off. And don't get me wrong, the Dolphins had probably double, if not triple, the penalties that we did. But they were just neutral zone Nazis out there. The one on Amani Awarie was very clear. The camera shows it. But I think the Dolphins probably had like 10 of those penalties. Like They came into that game being like, okay, like neutral zone. Like, nope, that's a no-go. Like, we're not having any offsides this game. I thought that even though the Dolphins did have a bunch of a bunch of penalties and some bad calls in there, you know, we had a few in there too, specifically the holding calls. I mean, I saw Hutchinson getting hold at least two times that I can remember. Teron Armstead, I mean, he's a great left tackle, but I saw some clear holds on him. There was one where he was just holding on to Hutchinson's wrist, and there's nothing that he can even do in that situation. Maybe it was a I think it was actually a Malcolm Rodriguez that hold. But I think that the times that they did call it, it was really weak. Like there was one on Penny Sewell on a run play, and I thought that he did a good job. I mean, everyone is holding on every single play to some extent, but when that defender turns, you got to let him go. I thought he did that. I thought that was just a weak call. And the other call that I really had an issue with was Amon Ra St. Brown's drop. I don't know if you remember that play, but apparently you need to have – three steps in bounds now for it to count as a catch, according to whoever the uh, officiating analyst was 
reporting on it. He said it was the right call, but he had two feet, two steps, tucks the ball, turns and goes, and it was punched out by Javon Holland out of bounds. So it was an initially ruled an incompletion, but once Campbell saw that it went out of bounds and it would have been a fumble for a first down, he challenged it, lost a timeout in the first half. We ended up converting on third down anyways, but it was the wrong call. How, how I understand that it's kind of, you know, up to the official's discretion, but if he didn't punch that ball, you think he would have dropped it? Absolutely not. He had possession. He made a football move. I don't know what other criteria he has to fulfill for that to be a catch. But when that rules analyst said, you need to have three steps, that's what you're looking for. I was just like, oh, you know, something new. I, I guess I didn't know you have to have three fucking feet in bounds. That was just a joke. So I, I just thought that the officiating crew was terrible. And like I said, I'm not blaming them for the loss by any means. That crew was just absolutely awful for, for both sides. And Dolphins definitely got the brunt of it, but we had some critical penalties on our end as well. So, And that's something we've got to clean up on the offensive line. Decker and Sewell were guilty of, I think, two holdings apiece or an offsides or so. So we can't have that, and we got to clean some stuff up. Absolutely. That that might bridge into our conversation about coaching for this game, but uh, overall, you know, you're, you're spot on. The Lions are always on the – brunt end of the shitty technicalities on calls see calvin johnson complete the process i don't think we've had anything to that extreme just yet but you see it throughout the years and it's something to keep in my mind i'm not one of the guys who are just going to blame the rest for everything but still yeah, don't don't be a u of m fan <laughs> no, oh, we don't want to answer we don't want to open up that can of worms <laughs> this week nope i don't want to get into that at all actually We'll move on from there. It's a good segue to our game ball and burning bag of dog shit. Sean, I'll open up with you. Who's getting your game ball? All right, man. Um, I Maybe an underdog for the game ball this week, but I was really impressed with uh, Khalif Raymond. Stepped up at all the right times, made some big catches for us, found a way to get open down the field. I mean, he's small. The dude's like 5'8", but... He he sped up and he shined in all the right times. Uh, game ball, Khalif Raymond. Go yeah. have yourself a day, bud. Have a day. Yeah, he deserves one. He's been nice for us battling through some of the injuries that we've had to go through this year in the, in the receiving core. He's been a, a bright spot for sure. What about you, Bell? Who's your game ball? Real quick, Sean, did you just drop a little Robbie Berger on us? <laughs> I'm glad you caught it. Oh, yeah. I love me some uh, Bob Does Sports. But anyway, moving on to my game ball, it's uh, not going to be a lion in no stunning fashion. Uh, my game ball is going to go to Tua, 29 for 36, 382 yards, three touchdowns, absolutely picking apart the Lions defense. Guy played so good, he got a coach fired. And if that's not game ball worthy, I don't know what is. Hmm. Stellar analysis. Love it. My game ball is going to go to Malcolm Rodriguez, a.k.a. Rodrigo. He keeps on stepping up, and I feel like I just say it every single week, but this game he really showed up on the stat sheet. He had a sack, a tackle for loss. He had that nice pass breakup that I mentioned and finished with seven tackles, five solo. He was all over the place, and you really can see him starting to develop as a leader on that defense. You see him calling out some plays too, so it's good to have him really hitting his stride at this point. We need some more guys to really step up, and you know he's fit the bill. Yeah, I thought that he did a great job, and there's plenty of other opportunities where he could have gotten a game ball. You know, Jared Goff, I think, is the obvious answer because he had his best game as a Lion, but I think Rodrigo needs some respect doing what he did. 
What about your burning bag of dog shit, Sean? I know you got a lot of options here, but hit me. Oh yeah. Um, wish I could give it to the entire team. Probably, probably deserving, but I'm going to give it to uh, Josh Reynolds. And you know, not that he played an overly terrible game, but man, step up. Like, He's probably billed as what the the number three receiver while well, JMO mm-hmm. is still out. I mean, yeah. whether if or not, not you two. want to put Hawkins in there, if not two, right? So step up, man. Come on, you're uh, you're a big body. You're athletic. All off season, all hard knocks. We're talking about how much potential this guy has, and I don't know. Maybe I'm just salty about the fourth and two, the poor adjustment on that ball. That that would have been a huge game changer for us. But when you've got Amon Ra coming back from a concussion, when you've got Swift still banged up. I mean, we need playmakers. We need people to step up. Uh, Raymond did. Reynolds didn't. Bag of dog shit on your doorstep, on fire. Enjoy, Reynolds. Yeah. <laughs> Enjoy that wafting smell of shit. How about you, Bell? Who's getting your burning bag? My burning bag goes to my least favorite day of the week, Monday. Um, After all, you Lions fans can decompress with a good night's sleep. Maybe you had a, a drunken turn in the middle of the night or whatnot. But Monday's when you come back to that real realization that you have no dopamine in your brain and there's none coming soon as the Lions drop another game. Yeah, and I know you're not a fan of recording on Mondays either. That didn't have anything to do with it, huh? That had a lot to do with it. And uh, next week I might actually be happy on Monday. I got no plans, so that'll be uh, maybe get a, more, a little more pep out of me next week. Yeah, I think I'd take the cake for the worst Monday this week. I had like three hours of sleep after that Michigan-Michigan State game, got on a 3 a.m. flight from Boston back to Michigan and drove back, got the dogs, had to watch the Lions game and just couldn't fall asleep. But, yeah, I'm still uh, coming back, so hopefully I get a good night and I'll be back. But anyways, Your flight took off? Your flight took off at 3 a.m.? Well, we left the bar at like 11 like it was a bunch of traffic down where we were watching. We were down by Fenway. And so it probably took another half hour. We got home at like midnight to our hotel, heated up some Chinese food and passed out, woke up for th- at 3 a.m. for a 5 a.m. flight. So yeah, not a lot of time to sleep. We were really mm-hmm. living it up, but I'm not complaining. It was a great time. So my burning bag of dog shit is going to AJ Parker. And I thought about him as a candidate last week. It's been two weeks in a row that he has been absolutely exploited in coverage. I don't know what we were thinking when we were lining him up against Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. Maybe that was Aubrey Pleasant's call, but and that might have been a reason why he got the the can here. But I mean, you can't have your nickelback guarding those guys. You got Jeff Okuda and Amanio Warrior. You would like to see them press and have safety help over the top. Let the let Tua and Mike Gesicki and their third and four string wide receivers beat us because we were solid in run defense. So I feel like if we committed more resources to that duo. We would have been in better shape. AJ Parker was not the man for the job. And a lot of those big plays you saw AJ Parker being the guy in coverage there. So he's got to be better. I know that he's not some elite defensive back, elite nickel guy, but if he's put in the starting role, he's got to be able to come up, and he did not. It was a tough matchup, but I think he needs some attention because he has not done well the past two weeks now. So, And we're going to move on to our next week's matchup. We're taking on the Green Bay Packers. They are coming to Detroit Sunday, November 6th at 1 p.m. Spread is set. Lions three-and-a-half-point dogs over under 49 points. The Packers are coming off their third consecutive loss, most recently to the Bills. Sunday night football, they lost 17-27. to 
last year, we split with the Packers, one home win, one Lambeau loss. So here we go. Aaron Rodgers is not having the best start to this season at all. In fact, this is one of his worst starts in his career in terms of stats and record-wise. He really doesn't have anybody to throw to. I mean, I guess Alan Lazard and Romeo Dobbs have kind of emerged as his favorites, but the real threats on this Packers offense are going to be their running backs and Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. Aaron Jones can run and catch. A.J. Dillon is more that Jamal Williams role, the ground-and-pound kind of guy. The quadzilla, we're going to have to have an answer for them, but they are kind of keys to victory. I guess this game would just be stopping those two. It's essential. Um, we really got to stick with Aaron Jones and coverage as well, because he is one of Rogers favorite weapons out of the backfields when he's throwing or looking for a dump off screen passes. I mean, he can do it all. I mean, if you let this guy get some space, he could really have like 10 catches for 140 yards receiving. He's had games like that in the past. So he's a dual threat kind of running back. And we really got to be on red alert when it comes to him. And then AJ Dillon between the tackles, we got to key our linebackers in on him. We've got to be able to fill those run lanes and we got to have some support from our safeties. And, you know, Jeff Okuda, the way he handled Zeke and Tony Pollard, it would be nice to see him come back in that kind of role. You didn't really see that against the dolphins. And then, of course, our defensive backs need to step up. I think that it's going to be a wake-up call seeing Aubrey Pleasant leave. You know, we're going to be bringing some new guys in in the draft or through free agency, probably both. But this might be one of their easiest matchups of the year. The Packers don't have a star-studded receiving core. So if they can't handle these Packers receivers, then we're even worse than I thought initially. And that is a very low bar to overcome. So our defensive backs really got to step it up and show me that they got something left in the tank here. I'm not discounting green Bay at all because Aaron Rodgers is always going to be a threat. It's scary to see Aaron Rodgers on this three game losing streak. You can't ever count the Packers out and he's going to want that W badly. He's pissed. And I know that he's got this one circled as a nice comeback game. So Aaron Rodgers is going to give us everything that he's got. He knew the Bills was going to be a tough one, losing the Jets and Giants. I know that was a tough pill to swallow, but he's going to come out firing on all cylinders, and we need to be ready for that. We cannot, you know, you know I think this is one of the easier matchups that I can recall in terms of facing the Packers on paper. But you think about that emotion that Aaron Rodgers is going to have. He's going to be hungry for a win, so offensively I think we've got to come out and execute and we had a great game golf did especially but I think that we really need to get swift going and feature him a little bit more I mentioned I want him to get the, you know those 15 20 touches a game but our offense really is the definition of boomer bust I mean are we going to get the Patriots Cowboys offense or are we going to get you know the Seahawks and Dolphins offense so if Amon Ross St. Brown is good to go, which it looks like he is, I think that he's going to be eaten. You want to see Josh Reynolds and Khalif Raymond have some good games, supplement that, you know, four or five catches, something like that. Don't expect them to really, you know, blow the top off or anything like that. But offensively, we need to be ready to put up points because Aaron Rodgers is going to be pissed and coming for us. So the Lions have been pretty bad against the run, as we've stated in episodes past. Um, so it's not going to be fun to watch this two powerhouse running backs. Um, but in a more silver lining, the Packers are bottom three in rush defense with 1,130 yards against. So DeAndre Swift could very easily have a game, but I just, as you said, Aaron Rodgers, he loves playing hard against the NFC North. 
And I just, I don't think it's going to happen once again. Sorry to say. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers has kind of been the league's punching bag this off season, taking shit about his uh, ayahuasca experiences and all of his other off, off the field antics, but um, he's fired up too many losses in a row for Aaron Rodgers. The lions are Aaron Rodgers punching bag. And I think he's going to come out ready to wail on us this Sunday. Yeah. And I mean, you know, the past like five years or so, the lions are usually good for one game against the Packers. I think that this is kind of one of those rivalries where we step up our game and, you know, we are hungry as well. And it's a home game, which bodes well for us. I don't know. I like the lions chances here and I'll get to, I'll get to predictions here. I'm going to go on and say that the lions take this at home 27 to 24. We play those Packers tough. This is probably one of the most winnable matchups we've had against Aaron Rodgers in recent memory, just due to the way that they've performed. Hopefully we just don't let Aaron Rodgers anger beat us. If we can just, you know, keep it close and put up numbers with our offense. If our defense is somewhat respectable and doesn't get blown out, I like our chances. Bell, what do you think is going to happen? For me, um, I don't even have the belly bundle cooking this time, considering it's only a three-point spread. Uh, I think we're going to call him mini Incredible Hulk in the green, and Aaron Rodgers is going to come out firing. Uh, I'm going to go 30-20. to 20, Packers take the W. Uh, I hate her once more. John, what you got for us? You know, forever bleeding Honolulu blue, still filled with that hopium. So uh, I'm going Lions <laughs> 30, Pack 27. Mm-hmm. Lions dub to write the ship. Yes, sir. Better, I like better it. Better pass that hopium to the entire city. <laughs> Hold it. It's coming in. Pass the touchy, man. <laughs> I no, might sprinkle I... a little. I might sprinkle a little bit on that spread. Three point dogs at home. It's going to be an emotional one for us. I really hope we dig it out. If we can win this game, I think we can turn some things around. The schedule definitely opens up a little bit for us, so we need this game to get us back on track and at least finish the season with a respectable record. So this is an important one for us. I knew Cowboys and Dolphins were going to be tough, but I think that we do have a pretty fair shot at winning this game. So Corbin, you've been saying the season's going to open up after every single game we play. We come out with another loss, bud. So mm-hmm. I gotta ask, what do you think the uh, what do you think the record's gonna finish as this time? I don't know, man. I would have to go back and look at it, but <laughs> four or five wins, I guess. I'm staying strong with my under three and a half. Do either you guys know what was the outcome of that uh, Devondre Campbell injury yesterday? Is he gonna be back in time for next week? It looks like he had a knee injury, so hopefully he can miss a game. I mean, uh, you don't want to see him go out long term or anything. I mean, no. Never root for injuries on other players, but shit, if that's going to give us a leg up on the pack, we'll fucking take it. (laughs) I'm in between a rock and a hard place because I don't want to see him hurt, but at the same time, I don't want to play against the Lions. And then you got Quay Walker, who's probably going to be facing a suspension too from that shove on one of the Bills coaches, or he gave him a shove on the sideline, so he might be missing some time too. The Packers uh, might be able to get exploited a little, losing those two guys. Just brought it up here. Christian Watson, also concussion last week so i mean he's a part of that young packers receiving core not that they've exactly been finessing teams this year but shit we'll take uh down players wherever we can get them speedy recovery to you though christian yeah wasn't wasn't sure about the devontre injury but what i find online is that um 
Matt LaFleur does not believe it to be long-term, so he might be back. He might not. He didn't come back to the game, no. Well, just give him a week off, let him rest, and come back strong, you know. But we'll let LaFleur make that decision here. I know Ben wanted to talk about some stuff at the trade deadline here. Who do you think's uh, a possibility to get shipped off here, Bell? So I wasn't really sure, so I had to do some research. Um, and uh, this this one website I found does a lot of uh, – analytics into what we could potentially get how much time's left on their contract how much money it would save and at the top of the list i was kind of surprised but it's actually tj hawkinson they're saying that um we could get an estimated mid-round pick or two um and the financial impact would be he's got 3.8 remaining on his con 2022 contract and if you were traded the lines would absorb about 1.8 as a cap hit but free up roughly 2 million in cap space so is there any trade that you could see that we would accept for Hawkinson and what might that look like? Well, I mean, we did take TJ Hawkinson's fifth year option. So I don't think this is the year for that. I think that he could easily be part of our long-term plans. And, you know, we are going to be paying him quite a bit going into next season, but from what I've seen from him right now, if I had to make the call, I say, keep him around for another year. I mean, he is a great guy to have, and we have had injury concerns for our wide receivers, but I'm in Ross St. Brown does kind of fill that role. And we got Jamison Williams coming to help, but I think that, you know, he's not going to be like a Travis Kelsey, but I, I'd like to see the compensation. Cause I think Hayden Hurst went for like a second round pick or something like that when the Ravens traded him to the Falcons. So I mean, if we could get like a late first or something like that, it could entice me, but I also do like having him around for, for our long-term plans and our rebuild. I think that he plays a part and he could be essential going forward once we get some more young guys uh, acclimated and, and ready to go. So, What do you think of that, Murph? I'm all for it. It's a contract <laughs> year for the guy. He's, uh, you know, talking about big bucks. They always like to put him in the conversation with guys like Kelsey Andrews. Um, I don't, his play isn't at that level. We're not there yet. We can't pay him those dollars. So it is actually not a contract here. He's got one more year after this, but I am picking up what you're putting down. Um, I don't know. I just, I always think full rebuild or no rebuild, which is probably pretty toxic, but if we could get like a first for him, I doubt we'll get that. So, um, probably best to just hold. Um, the other one that's interesting on here, um, it says Amani Awarie, he's in the last uh, year of his contract, and he was a fifth-round pick, I believe. So we could just get a toss-in pick for him. Do you want to see him go, Cora? That one is a little bit more interesting because I don't think that we'll be re-signing him. So to get some kind of compensation from you know, trading him as opposed to just letting him walk would be nice. But our secondary is already depleted as is, so – if, you know, if we really want to kick the season, you know, I guess it's okay to move him off. And with Jerry Jacobs coming back, maybe we'll have him to kind of fill that role. But, you know, sad to see him go. But the way that he's been playing this year, it might be, you know, best to just sell out before the wheels really fall off. I mean, the wheels are kind of already gone, man. We're grinding rim. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, we're, we're riding on the rims right now. We're going to have to call up Allen Park High School to get some reserve cornerbacks out there we uh move any further on our depth chart yeah and but if we're getting like deep... a go ahead yeah but if we're getting like a sixth or seventh round pick for him i mean is it really worth it we already have so many young players and so if we have like a seventh round and we just end up cutting him 
you know, what good is that going to do for us? I'd rather like to see us, you know, bring in some not cheap free agents, but you know, not like the best guys, the most premier pieces coming into free agency, but I would like to see us pay a linebacker or a defensive back, you know, 10 million a year. I'm not asking for, you know, one of the best guys in the game here, but somebody who can step in and be a, a good running mate with Jeff Okuda. I think there's a lot of places that we can spend our money. We are going to have a lot of cap space open up next year. And I don't know if a warrior is going to fit with our plans. I don't know if you saw this, but another guy who's kind of getting floated out there is DeAndre Swift. I'm glad you brought that up. That was going to be the next one. If we were going to go into part three of this segment, that is super interesting because I think you could get a pretty big haul for that guy. I'm just trying to think though, are there any teams that are super RB needy, especially with Kareem Hunt out there on the block for a fourth round pick that the Browns just came right out with and said, so I don't know. I mean, he's got what another year after this on his contract. They're not paying him too much right now. Cause he's on the rookie deal. If they do trade him, they would absorb a 50 around a half a million dollar cap hit and free up $800,000 in space in 2022, but they'd still be on the hook for his remaining signing bonus next year, which is about a million dollars. Yeah. Swift is definitely an interesting one. It depends on the compensation we'd get back from him. I mean, I'd like to see a second or third round pick that might be wishful thinking. I really don't know what the running rate is, especially with, you know, what is it? Two years left on his contract. He's got this year and next year. Yeah. So, I mean, he's just so injury prone. And if you want to pay a guy the big bucks, then you want to see him be able to carry the full workload on his own. And we are deep in terms of running backs. We've got Justin Jackson, we got Craig Reynolds, and of course, Jamal Williams too. But that just takes away the one of the most electric pieces we have on this offense. And then if you, if we, you know, our defense is not going to improve realistically and so if we lose deandre swift for the rest of the season it's going to be tough to win some games so i don't really like paying him as a top five running back at this point so maybe it is best just to get some compensation out of it he's probably one of our biggest assets yeah i I think with him being banged up by injuries i think that definitely would maybe deter people more and as if he was a uh, just completely healthy and just tearing it up so i think he's probably going to stay um I think he fits the brand of the Lions, and yeah, we'll see what happens. I think he'll probably stick around as well, but you guys make great points. Is is this guy worth paying for? How much time has he spent injured last couple of years? Um, I heard that the Eagles were making some calls about Alvin Kamara, and he and Swift have a similar profile in that they're shifty, fast as all hell, uh, can really make some good moves out in the open space. What do you think about that? The Eagles I, uh, double down, invest some serious capital and get themselves a, a top name at running back as well. I think if the Eagles were going to try to go after a running back, I don't think it really makes sense for the Saints, considering they're only one game out of the division lead behind the Falcons at four and four, because that division's in shambles and the red rifle could somehow pull it off and make that team a playoff team. And I don't think they're going to dump Kamara. I don't know what he's got on his contract. He's probably going to yield a pretty big, uh, trade package and on top of that he's got his legal trouble coming next year so unless it's just a one-year buy and dump they're probably gonna lose him for four to six games next year because of the vegas incident let me Go pitch ahead. one more trade at you guys this is in no way uh shameless self-promotion buccaneers cornerback sean murphy bunting <laughs> <laughs> is available 
coming off his rookie contract. He's only due about 1.4 million for the rest of 2022. So uh, Sean's guys... dad is hitting the trade block tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't he go to Central? He did. He's a chip. Yeah. Fire yeah. up chips. I mean, I like it. You know, a hometown guy. We need help in the in the secondary, and we could do a lot worse. I don't know about trading because we want to build through the draft. I think that it's likely that we'll just see who's there in free agency and make some moves there. We won't make any, you know, a super big splash or anything like that. But let's wrap it up on the trade deadline stuff, and we'll get into some of our bets. Betting with the belly. Ben, take it away, friend. All right, one of my favorite segments that we all remember. So how it works, what you're going to do is you're going to pick a favorite, an underdog, an over, and an under. We're going to try to stay away from uh, Monday's games because that's when we record. We never know the result. We go end up recapping this. So um, last week's result, Corbin, he had a nice stellar 3-1. and one. I was middle of the road at a nice 2-2. Two and two, And our friend Big Mart went 1-3. and three. Not the best gambler wah, out there. Wah, wah. Wah, wah, wah. I'm Mart. <laughs> yeah, his little Reddit betting advice did not pan out for him this time. But if you just go off the hip and shoot like me, I'm a real cowboy. 3-1, and one, baby. I think, what is that, like 11 and two or three or something like that in the past We've three been weeks. Pretty good. I wish we had a historical tracking. We can probably go back and find it in all these Google docs, but for now we're going to pocket that for next week and move into this week's picks. Corbin, give me your favorite. My favorite this week is going to be the Patriots. They are playing in Foxborough against the Colts five and a half point favorites. Looks like Mac Jones is going to be the starting quarterback going into this. Sam Ellinger just had his first start. He is coming off a loss, but the Colts are just a dumpster fire this year, and the Patriots are solid as always. I think that Bill is going to have his defense ready to go against, you know, not a rookie quarterback, but a first-year starter, second. I think this is his second game as a starter, so I think that they're going to come off firing on all cylinders and give him hell. Yeah, and Jonathan Taylor picking up that ankle injury, (laughs) although he does have the curse of the 1.1 this year and has not been playing up to par. Uh, Sean, how about you for a favorite? You know, call it recency bias, call it what you will, but uh, give me the Dolphins minus four and a half over the Bears. They absolutely shredded the Lions secondary. The Bears can't tell their asshole from their armpit. Uh, I'm I'm going Dolphins, just stomping on them. Okay, I don't hate that. Yeah, the uh, Dolphins offense has looked pretty electric with that tandem of wide receivers. Um, for myself, um, a lot of people think that the Bills or the Chiefs are the top team in the league, but... I think the Eagles are really starting to pick up steam after starting undefeated and they're playing a weak, weak Texas team. Davis Mills is just not the answer at quarterback down in Houston. Uh, They are 13 point favorites, but man, they have just been roasting teams and I think they're going to do it again. Eagles minus 13 book it. Uh, Moving on to your underdog Corbin, you got to battle the birds. It looks like talk to me about it. Mm-hmm. Give me the Seahawks, two-point dogs going into Arizona to take on the Cardinals. I don't understand this line. I smell a rat. Hopefully not. I want to keep that win streak going, but Kenneth Walker has been a beast out there. It's scary having DeAndre Hopkins back, so maybe that's the reason why they are not favored in this game. Division rivals, but the Seahawks have been red hot, and I'm not going against them yet. I'll take the Seahawks and the two points. 
I have been stunned at what Gino's been doing this year. They're sitting atop their division, so I like that pick, Corbin. Sean, give me your bark, bark. Yeah, my bark, bark this week is going to the Falcons over the Chargers. Uh, Chargers are banged up. Keenan Allen's been questionable like all year. J.C. Jackson on IR. Mike Williams is out the next four weeks or so. Falcons continue to shock me week to week. Uh, don't know what their recipe is. On paper, they look kind of dog shit, but they're doing it. So give me the give me the bird gang, Falcons. Yeah, if you would have told me at the beginning of the season that the Seahawks and the Falcons would be leading their division through eight games, I would have thought you were nuts. And yeah, the Chargers have looked banged up all year. And you guys gave me shit for taking the Falcons-Panthers over. And where they put up 71 points or something like that, and you and Mar are like, oh, I don't see that happening. Well, Corbin, you're clearly the pick god, and we're all a bunch of geniuses, and that's why we're millionaires on FanDuel. So, uh, <laughs> you know what? I respect the pick now, and you know it's a week-to-week league. Um, for my dog, it's nobody's surprise that my Titans came out with another win. Uh, I don't know if they've got what it takes to beat the Chiefs, but it seems like they split with them every year, and 12.5 points is just a big old spread. So I went from a heavy favorite to a heavy dog. We're going to take the Titans, Big Dick Derek, uh, plus 12.5 against the Chiefs. You guys got any thoughts are, on uh, my boys? Yeah, I have a question. How are they splitting with them when they only play once max unless they see each other in the playoffs? Well, fuck. I feel like they <laughs> just play each other. I feel like they just play each other every year then, and then maybe a little playoff <laughs> action. I guess I'm hallucinating that. My bad. No, nah, it's a, a lot of points. So I see your point. I mean, I don't know if Tannehill or Malik Willis is gonna play. I did not see that game. We'll see. Chiefs are in Arrowhead. It's a tough place to go into. It's uh, it's a lot of points, but I don't know. Uh, I, I could see it happening, but I don't like it too much, Bell. I'll tell you one thing. Malik Willis looked absolutely brutal. That game was won by Derrick Henry and his fourth game in a row over 200 yards against the Houston Texans, which is just impressive. Um, enough about my favorite team. Let's move on to the overs. Corbin, which one's going to be your gunslinging battle this week? My over is going to be the Vikings commanders. 43 and a half points is the over under Vikings have been putting up points every game ever since Taylor Heineke has gotten in there. He's been f- dealing as well. So yeah, 43 and a half is kind of a head scratcher of a line there because the commanders, I think they're sitting at four and four now, if I'm not mistaken. And the Vikings, they've got a great wide receiver duo and running game. Kirk Cousins has been solid per usual. I mean, he's just kind of like middle of the pack, but you get some good games, some bad. It's not prime time. I'm pounding that over. I think that one's a no-brainer for me. And, Sean, what are you going to do in the opposite of a limbo? You know what? I'm going uh, Seahawks versus Cards over 49 and a half. Um, Seahawks have been putting together a – incredible season with what what pieces they have uh they're trying to stay on top of the nfc west always a rivalry game game of the shit birds on the west coast um you know let's see what they do cardinals uh aren't going down easy in any of these ones they're uh deandre hopkins kyler murray they're firing they've got a great connection there um so i see this one going well over 49 and a half points and did you drop a trailer park boys reference there no the shit birds oh yeah you did <laughs> <laughs> Fucking um, shit Sean that's a great pick I like to see it last but not least the big old Bell's got his uh team to pick for the over under I'm gonna go with the Panthers and the Bengals PJ Walker has been lighting it up in Carolina ever since he took over the job I think the team is almost better without Christian McCaffrey which makes little to no sense they pulled out uh two wins since uh or no sorry 
They pulled out one win and then they dropped that last game on just a terrible kicking performance. The guy missed the extra point for the win and then he missed the field goal for the win. I would lock your doors if I were Eddie Pinero. Well, the problem was that DJ Moore scored the touchdown and took off his helmet. So they got moved back 15 yards for unsportsmanlike, and that's why he missed the game-winning extra point. Oh, I didn't realize it got moved back. Yeah, yeah. So, he was kicking like a 45-yard or something. Yeah, so it's not a gimme. That's, it's oh because my. DJ Moore and another receiver <laughs> took off their helmets in the in the end zone after he scored the touchdown. Well, he did get a second chance from the 33-yard line. I was watching the end of that game yesterday, and he biffed that too. So it's tough down in Carolina, and they're making the Falcons look good. Um, and then last but not least to wrap up this segment, we need an under Corby. I'm taking the Rams bucks under 42 and a half. The Rams have been unable to get anything going on offense, mostly due to their offensive line. Bucks have a great defense Rams. You know, they're solid on defense as well. Bucks had a little bit of a bounce back game this past week. So that scares me, but I just don't see this game going over 40 pound in the under. Yeah, and I think Cooper Cup's banged up. I saw that this morning with an ankle injury. I'm not sure if he's planning on playing or not. Sean, what, what about you, sir? You know what? Call me crazy. I'm going under 47 and a half points for the Bills versus the Jets. Um, I think the Bills are going to put up most of the points in this one, but that Jets defense has surprised me all year long. I think they keep the Bills in check. I think the Bills absolutely shut Zach Wilson and the Jets down. Uh, and they end up well under 47 and a half. That's actually not that bad of a pick. Yeah, the Bills let me down yesterday. I had the single team over of 29 and a half, and I think they threw one pick on like the five-yard line and one other one when they were driving, and it was just an upsetting L for me after a tough, tough gambling weekend, so I don't hate that pick. Um, for myself, I'm going to agree with Corbin here, Bucks and Rams. Um, I watched that Thursday night game. Tom Brady could get it done. And then the Rams played the 49ers and they got smoked. Chris McCaffrey had a day. I just think both teams are kind of in shambles, which could just mean the opposite. And I'm just dumb, but um, that's going to be the pick that I made and I'm going to stick by it. Yeah. Tell me he'll do fine. Uh, I guess everybody, but Corbin does bad. So we're going to tail Corbin on this one. Mm-hmm. Not a bad um, idea. Moving into the survivor league update. As I stated last week, it is actually over. So there's no update to be had. Congratulations to my buddy, Ryan. Continuing our coverage of last week, uh, Corbin, once again, just on fire. He had the Falcons as a safe pick and the Saints as a risky pick. Both pulled out the W. I myself had the Bills as the safe pick, and they took the W, and the Raiders as the risky one, and they dropped the game. They got shut out, actually. So Corbin, just made, Corbin made me eat my words. Mm-hmm. Um, and big March picks for last weekend. Eagles over Steelers safe. Rams over 49ers risky. We are one and one Corbin is making us eat our lunch. Moving into this week, Corb, what do you got for your safe pick? Safe pick, I'm taking the Bengals over the Panthers. Like you said, Panthers have been looking pretty solid since Christian McCaffrey got the trade to San Francisco, so maybe he was the problem all along. But give me Joey B. I know there's no Jamar Chase, but the Bengals have been solid. They started off the season a little rough, but they have bounced back since. And I think they're eight-and-a-half-point favorites, if I'm not mistaken, but I like it. Panthers are due for a little bit of a regression. There's only so long that uh, PJ Walker can keep this up. So, yeah, I've been a Bengals guy all season, so I'm going to agree to that. Um, they are zero zero with the Browns right now. It's a live game update with the Browns driving, so we'll see what happens in that one. Um, Sean, what about you? 
Yeah, I'm going to agree with Corb here. I think the Bengals are safe against the Panthers. Uh, exactly as Corb noted, PJ Walker playing out of his mind, but it's not going to keep up forever. The The foundation of that team is just not there. Um, though, quick shout out to Deontay Foreman, absolutely crushing it off the <laughs> bench. Holy shit. Like 30, 30 some points this week in fantasy, 20 plus points uh, the week before. Good on you, man. Big three tutty game for Deontay Foreman. Uh, I know Chuba Hubbard was out, so I think he might seed some carries, but I mean, keep running them until he falls in your fantasy leagues. Um, for myself, I'm coattailing off of my favorites pick with the Eagles minus 13, and we're taking a money line in this survivor pick over the Texans. I've already stated why I think the Texans are just booty. So uh, moving on to Corbin's risky pick. Well, I am going to be tailing my under pick and take the Seahawks over the Cardinals. I know DeAndre Hopkins is back and looking good. Cardinals can put up points, but so can the Seahawks. And I can't bet against Geno just yet. We wrote him off and we should not have that Lions lost him is not looking so bad. So taking the Seahawks he, he for my risk. Back. Nope, he did not. <laughs> Sean, risk. Yeah. Um, I'm going Saints as a risky win over the Ravens. Uh Ooh. JK Dobbins is down. Rashad Bateman, I think, is out for a few weeks here. Um Saints seem to have something going with the Red Rocket, Andrew Dalton. So, uh, you know, let's fire up Kamara for another week and uh, let's get her going. I believe his nickname is the Red Rifle, but we're, we're going to call him the Red Rocket. <laughs> the fucking Red Rocket shit. For oh, the it's even better. Weeks. It's even oh, better. Man. Corb, you That's can just... edit that out, yeah? No, I'm not going to. Red Rifle is the TV-friendly name. We all know him as the Red Rocket. Oh, okay. Well, you know what? Not a TV-friendly podcast. That's why we're on Spotify. He's exciting out there. No denying that. He's so exciting. In the um, shittiest of quarterback <laughs> battles, Andy Dalton versus Jameis Winston. Who would have thought Andy Dalton comes out on top? Just what a world we live in. I do want to see laser eyes back out there, but Andy Dalton is playing great. Yeah, he's torqued. He's so torqued. Fitting for the Red Rocket. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Fully torqued um, Red Rocket. And lastly, for my uh, risky pick, I'm coattailing off of what Sean said with his underdog bet. I'm going to go with the Falcons over the Chargers. They snuck away with one against the Carolina Panthers. And as we said, the Chargers are pretty banged up. So we'll have to tune in next week to see how that pans out. And uh, we're going to move on from there. All right. I think that's going to do it for our Survivor League update. So we'll get into some segments. Of course, we got a bowels of the belly for you. Of course, we've got a Corbin. How bad do you want it? This week, we're going to go again with the meme of the month, and we've got some good ones, and let's start off with that one. So we got three good candidates. I don't know if you guys have any, but I didn't think that there was a ton of good trendy memes that like last for like a week or two and then kind of fizzle out like the corn kid from last, last time we did this. But I've got a couple of good ones, starting with the horny Adam Levine memes. Have you guys seen those? I haven't seen a couple of them, but I'm Googling as we're talking, and some of them are pretty funny, so feel free to elaborate. So basically, uh, Adam Levine is married to a, a former Victoria's Secret supermodel, and he would just go on DMing these Instagram models, complimenting them, flirting with them, and his flirt game is just trash. So this Instagram model posted a bunch of these screenshots People have been putting some random pictures in a fake DM and it'll be like, holy fuck, holy fucking fuck. That body of yours is so absurd. And those are some of my favorite ones. There's a couple other screenshots that they use as well. 
But I mean, you'll see it anywhere from people doing it for like coding. They'll just send code and be like, holy fuck, holy fucking fuck. That body of yours is absurd. I guess he's not getting a divorce or anything like that, but there's just so many possibilities. You could just like paste it in there and <laughs> he just has no flirt game. One of them is like the, uh, the two Jack guys just kind of like holding hands like that arm wrestling thing. One side's like Adam Levine writing a sext, Adam Levine writing a song, the most lazy generic standard bullshit to please basic bitches. <laughs> I, I see There's... one here of uh, Jeffrey Rush from Pirates of the Caribbean who plays Barbosa, and all it says is, I may need to seed your booty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's another one, too. Another uh, of the real leaked DMs. Here's one I found uh, Mitt Romney shirtless in like boxing gloves and shorts. Holy frick, holy fetching flip. The body of yours is absurd. <laughs> yeah, and then there's just a couple of comments on this one website, and they're pretty good. One goes, after reading these Adam Levine DMs, I think the biggest takeaway we can have is that he definitely doesn't write his own lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> it is truly unreal how fucking hot you are. Like, it blows my mind. And then another one is funniest joke I've heard about Adam Levine is still that he looks like he went to a tattoo artist and just went, give me tattoos. <laughs> ben, I found one of the Lara Croft polygon titties. It's holy fuck. <laughs> holy fucking fuck. That body of yours is absurd. <laughs> the polygons. <laughs> we definitely need to uh, get the uh, belly and the fish Instagram going so you guys can see what we're talking about. <laughs> yes, I'll be getting on that. Just been preoccupied here. But yeah, if you haven't seen those Adam Levine DM memes, it's worth it. Next one up, we've got the Magnus Carlson and Hans Neiman chess scandal. Have you guys heard of that at all? I didn't until we started this uh, podcast, but <laughs> everything I Google just becomes more and more intriguing. <laughs> yeah, pretty, pretty controversial one here. You know, this has some major real life implications, especially if you're someone who keeps in tune with the chess world, as I, I mean, know you do, Corbin. I mean, oh, yes. I, just, I just can't get over the names of like these uh, these news article titles. Chess world set ablaze by claims of <laughs> cheating. <laughs> well, just a little backstory, if you don't know. So. This Magnus Carlsen guy has been the number one chess player in the world for 10 years or something, let's say. So he's been dominant. He's been pursuing like a perfect chess score on chess.com, which nobody has ever done before. Everyone's saying he's the best. And then you got this Hans Neiman guy who I think is like an 18 year old from St. Louis. He's a young guy, but he's been a really fast up and comer and he played Hans Neiman in a tournament or sorry, Hans Neiman played Magnus Carlsen in a tournament and just wiped the floor with him. And I mean, I'm no chess nerd. I know you might think so, Sean, but I guess he beat him with the black pieces and I know that the white pieces go first. So that's a little bit of insult to injury. And so Magnus Carlsen, his little bullshit radar is going. He kind of guesses that he cheats. I guess they had another online match against each other because Carlsen wanted to redeem himself and Hans Neiman started off with the white pieces. And after one move, Carlson withdraws and quits the tournament. And that's when he started to make the real allegations. And this story broke that he is somehow cheating. And his <laughs> suggested method of how he is cheating is that he is using anal beads to vibrate and send him signals on what moves to make on the chessboard. 
And so that's what initially caught my eye is this guy is using these anal beads to cheat. But then if you dive in a little bit deeper, there's just some serious beef going on. Recently, I saw that Hans Neiman sued this Magnus guy for a hundred million dollars <laughs> and a hundred million dollars. And I'm like, how the fuck does anybody in chess have a hundred million dollars? Like even this website. So chess.com is like the biggest chess association in the world. And they even had like a, a, a bot that just said beat Magnus and you can go and play and try and beat like the best chess player in the world. And they had like a deal in place and chess.com really kind of like put all their eggs in the Magnus basket and chess.com doesn't want his name getting dragged through the mud when they're about to go through with this deal. And so Hans Neiman is saying that he's entitled to this hundred million dollars because that's they like, I guess 90 million or something like that is what the deal is for. So I don't really know like all the financials on how he thinks that he's entitled, but it's just funny to see these two chess players just like taking shots at each other the whole world is tuned into it. I've never seen this much drama, especially for a game like chess. So it's hilarious. I mean, if you want to go down the rabbit hole, I mean, you could spend a couple hours looking at some of the shit that they've said to each other, the speculation, the allegations. It's pretty damn entertaining. I mean, I don't think that I'll be more excited about anything chess related for the rest of my life. This one takes the cake. The late 2010s at Jalen Ramsey and Golden Tate. A couple years ago, we had Brooks Kepka and Bryson DeChambeau. And now we got Magnus and Neiman. Butt plugs. I, yeah, I don't know if there's any going up from here. <laughs> Whoa, how much pun intended? Next year we'll be live from the badminton tournament. <laughs> so it it just a quick Google search might have been a little bit more than allegations. Apparently, at a subsequent chess tournament, Neiman got a full body scan while everybody else just had to kind of turn out their pockets. So they're onto him. They're watching at all levels. I think they just have to like play naked on a toilet after a cavity <laughs> search. And that's the only way we can really determine who is the best chess player here. <laughs> oh, Game striking on, uh, striking new rule change to chess tournaments. You have to do a full body MRI before taking. <laughs> it's a reminiscent of the South park TSA episode. <laughs> <laughs> Not really a meme, but I thought that that story was uh one of the biggest trending topics of the month for sure. But the real meme that I think is going to have some lasting value going forward is the Jeffrey Dahmer memes. If you haven't seen the Netflix uh, biopic or whatever it is, it's worth a watch. It's really dark. And it had me thinking some crazy ass shit for sure. I mean, Jeffrey Dahmer is just a sick fuck, but the, the meme that I really wanted to talk about was the one where he is has the hand up on the TV and they're watching the the exorcist. And he says, we're just going to sit here and watch this and then you can leave and you can pretty much just put that on anything. So you saw it come up a lot online when we had the uh, Broncos Colts Thursday night football game. And then the next week with the uh, Washington commanders and we're just going to sit here and watch Thursday night football and then you can leave. It was fucking hilarious. And I think that you can apply it to a lot of different things, a lot of flexibility for that meme. So and then there are just some other funny viral moments, like when he was smacking his ass in the mirror, checking himself out. He's like, yeah, we're just going to go get some beers. Party hardy. <laughs> I did come up with an actual, uh, not necessarily <laughs> original meme of the month, but it's a classic October themed meme. The uh, be sure to check your child's candy this year. 
just found a whole Nickelback concert inside of a Twix. <laughs> you know those ones? Yeah. Just found an entire Detroit Lions secondary shoved inside of a Twix. Ah uh, ha ha! Hilarious. Uh, come on, it's a Detroit Lions podcast. You gotta, <laughs> you gotta nah, I'll, um, I'll let it slide. This this That's is a not one. a uh, this is not a meme, but uh, I have a ring camera, and they let you see like what's going on in the neighborhood if anybody reports anything. And the trick-or-treaters are going on right now, and I found this pretty funny. I get a ping. They took all the candy and my table. If you have any information, <laughs> I just want my table back. Guy's just playing it off like that's his outfit. Uh, I'm a folding table. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't come with a costume. <laughs> I'm a Bills fan. Jump through me. <laughs> all right. Well, unless we have any other candidates, I'm going to make a ruling here. It's going to the Dahmer meme. Like I said, I think it has a lot of lasting value. There wasn't a whole lot of competition. Hoarding Adam Levine definitely did have me cracking up at the time, but so much versatility with the the Dahmer memes. We're giving him the nod. Doesn't deserve any respect. It was a complete scumbag, but fuck it. Those memes are funny. I'm here for it. All right, Ben, that's going to do it for the meme of the month. It's been awarded. Let me ask you a question, Ben. When's the last time you had a colonoscopy? Never. <laughs> Never. Oh, well, you're about to get your first one because we're going up through the rear end and into the bowels of the belly. What do you got for us, bud? So during the week, uh, we were at work and me and a couple of the guys always talk about like point spreads and whatnot. And we were going on and on about what we thought about the Thursday night game. And uh, one of the older gentlemen in the group chimed in and said that he was 19 for 21 over the past three weeks on NFL picks. So naturally, I told him to pick every single game for this upcoming week. And uh, we would put a $1 parlay on to win like $17,000. Well, anyway, long story short, he picked wrong on the Thursday night game. And that was that. So anyway, we're out to lunch and he's an older gentleman. And he looks at me and he goes, Hey Ben, what website do you use for like picking your point spreads and whatnot? And without skipping a beat, I'm just like red tube. And I like, wasn't thinking. <laughs> <laughs> So he had no idea what I was talking about, but like the other three younger guys that were out to lunch with look at me and just go, Ben, what the fuck, man? <laughs> I go, Craig, do not go there. He's definitely going on a road too, but oh, that fucking belly. <laughs> yeah, how do I get to the odds on here? <laughs> Where's the odds Wait, tab? I just do, keep do I going care? to the next page, the next page, yeah. the next page. I don't find it. <laughs> I haven't done this in 20 years. <laughs> Huh. Well, that was a quick and easy little bowels of the belly, but damn, that was still a good one. Did you ever find out if he, uh, no, I don't think, I don't think he heard me cause he was at the other end of the table. And so by the time I shut it down, I don't think he even heard what I said, but seeing the other three people's jaw drop to the floor and be like, <laughs> what is wrong with you was, uh, Red was tube. enough for my satisfaction. <laughs> Moving on to the next segment, everybody's favorite Corbin. How bad do you want it? I bamboozled him last week, and now we're sitting at four and five for my first winning record of the show. Um, this one, once again, didn't have a lot of prep time this week. So um, this one comes to us from one of our good friends, Tyler. Corbin, would you name your firstborn Aaron Rodgers Halwerda? Another Aaron Rodgers one, huh? So it would be AR for short. AR Halwerda. What if he was like number 15 in football and he would just be AR 15, like RG three. <laughs> well, see, now you're searching for like some positives here. So maybe, uh, 
I'm trying to think of a spin zone here, but I mean, can I change his name after like, um, he can decide on his 18th birthday. On his 18th fucking birthday. Shit. That's all the formative years of just living in Michigan, just getting pounded and berated. Well, I've already tried to name my firstborn Corbin Jr., but I've been getting some flack for it, and I think it's a sick name. From who? Uh, Emma. She doesn't like it. She won't let me name my firstborn Corbin Jr. Well, I guess you got to consider yourself oh, lucky then. what if it's a girl? Could it be E-R-I-N? rogers oh boy um (laughs) (laughs) no um for all intensive purposes let's pretend that you have a boy fuck man that one's not as bad as the tattoo i mean you're not ever really gonna get asked your middle name in too many situations i mean i only know your middle name just because of the whole facebook fiasco and me not getting into the bar (laughs) sean what's your middle name uh it's a family name colin bunting okay spelled weird not (laughs) bunting contrary to popular to belief uh i don't know man i think that i would probably do it it'd be aaron hallwerda it'd be a.a ron the only way you're really going to tell is if somebody specifically asks so you can keep it a secret and it would be on like their license plus they can change the name but it's their decision so if they stuck with that that would really hurt Plus, I've thought about it. Like, would I really want to damn my kids to being a Lions fan? Like, I think if I have them, I wouldn't force them into it. I would hope that they kind of would, but I would let them pick their own team. I would say, like, Packers, Bears, Vikings. Like, nope, can't be them. I won't buy you any jerseys, nothing. You know that kid's going to watch one, like, highlights tape of Aaron Rodgers, and he's going to be just sold and piss off dad. And for the rest of time, anybody who ever looks at your kid's ID is going to be like, wow, kid's dad was a huge Packers fan. True. That does. That's a reflection on you, man. Yeah, but normally I don't even get ID'd. So if he takes after me at all, as soon as you turn like, I mean, even when I was 18 using a fake ID, people wouldn't even ID me just because of the beard. And I just did have a beard of a 40 year old man your whole life, pretty much. Yeah. So. I don't know. I think that that one, uh, I think I would do that. Yeah. For a Lions Super Bowl and he gets to change it. I keep forgetting that it's for the Lions Super Bowl and how important that would be. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I would take Aaron Rodgers Hall word for uh, an exchange for a Lions Super Bowl. You're going to have to pay for a lot of therapy in those junior high years. <laughs> All right. That was a good one, guys. That's going to do it for this week's episode. Thanks again to all of our great listeners. If you're new to this show, please follow, subscribe, like, and download on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, everything and everything you can. Spread the word around. We need that word of mouth to keep us going. Give me a follow on Twitter at LightCorbyashi. I'll be making a Twitter account and an Instagram account. You know, I also brainstorm maybe a TikTok account. Don't really know shit about it. Might need a social media manager, but I think that's how we're going to reach the kids. But if you've got any ideas for segments that you want to hear, please feel free to reach out. Let me know. I'd be happy to get them into the show. We really want to make this a show for our listeners. Please tell your friends, family, coworkers, and everyone and anyone that you can. We appreciate the love and support, guys. Yeah, very happy to uh, bring you another episode this week. Um, Big thanks to Sean as well for showing up uh, and being our guest host today. Um, that was a good fun episode. Can't wait to deliver some more. Thank you guys all for listening. Make sure you're following and yeah, look forward to seeing you next week. 
Thanks for having me on, guys. Restore the goddamn roar. Yes, sir. Thanks for coming, Sean. And with that said... Oh, <laughs>